The scripture reading this morning is uh, taken from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42 and reading to verse 47. Acts 2, 42 to 47. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love that passage. It is such a beautiful, powerful passage about how the Spirit of God is building the church, the community of God, the community of Jesus Christ. It is something that we read there is something fresh, something unheard of before is happening. It is biblical community is taking shape. And isn't that what we want to be a part of? We, we read something like that and we think, ah, that's what I want to be a part of. Building a community of church that is centered on Jesus Christ, where the Spirit is alive, where it's connecting people of all strata in meaningful relationships. What a, what a beautiful vision of life together this is. People loving and trusting, selflessly giving and caring for one another, using their gifts to bless one another. And all those beautiful happenings going on in that first church um, are remarkable. But all of that wonderful love and giving and service, it's also a byproduct of something that happened earlier. It is the result of a devotion that these people made, a commitment that they made to the larger community, but also to one another. Look at verse 42 in that chapter. If you have Bibles open, verse 42 says, they devoted themselves. Full stop there. They devoted themselves. That verb, devoted, is sort of the governing verb for all the rest of what happens in this passage. These early disciples, and remember, some of these were just days old. They had been converted to the life-giving news of Jesus Christ, but they fully gave themselves wholeheartedly to the living reality of Jesus and the power of the Spirit used that devotion, that commitment, to do something so remarkable. Their life's devotion was transferred from whatever it was they gave themselves to Jesus Christ and his people, and the Spirit use that in remarkable ways. It's, it's amazing to think. Often when we think of the Holy Spirit and the way the Spirit works, we might think of spectacular things, but actually the Spirit's operations is not so much in quick conversions or in short-lived enthusiasms, but really in producing this devotion, this long obedience, a continuous, persistent commitment. The Holy Spirit is forming here this first Christian community that's one of the powerful works of the Spirit, to bring unlikely people together in a rich, life-giving community. But he uses us in the process. He uses our devotion, how foundational those commitments we make. The truth is, 
We can't have community without a commitment. Commitment, says author Lewis Smedes, commitment is this invisible fiber that binds a collection of individuals into a caring community. And then he says, everything depends on it. You can have a multitude, you can have a crowd, you can have a crew, you can have a group, you can have a gathering, you can have a cluster of people, a collection of people, a bunch of people, a gang of people, but without a commitment, you will not have a community of people. The only way we can, anywhere, anytime, create Christ-centered, human, caring community is by daring to make and keep commitments to one another being devoted, being committed, sticking with something or someone, faithfulness. Everything depends on it. Imagine, imagine what life would be like if all we could expect from one another in this church was something like this. I'll be there if I can, but don't count on it. We would go crazy. First of all, we wouldn't be sitting on chairs because the faithful group who regularly sets up this gym every week, they wouldn't have shown up. And our musicians wouldn't have practiced and the choir wouldn't have done that. And we wouldn't be holding this service if people didn't keep to commitments. Everything would be uncertain if none of the people we knew and loved and trusted to keep their commitments would do so. We certainly couldn't be a church together. But it's interesting, it's not only foundational to community, it's, it's indispensable. Commitments are indispensable to who we are, our identity. Here's a truth we often look, overlook. Um, it is that I become whatever I'm committed to. I become whatever I have devoted my heart to. We are shaped by those things. Your and my life is the sum total of the commitments we give ourselves to. If I believe advancing my career is the most important thing in my life, my, my life will be shaped significantly by that commitment, by that devotion. If I believe that my financial portfolio is the most important thing in my life, then the rest of my life is going to be shaped by that. We give our heart's devotion to certain things, and those choices, those commitments shape who we become, which makes you wonder, what am I giving myself to? What am I offering my heart's devotion to? Would you do that this week? Would you do sort of a, what the 12-step people call a fearless and searching inventory of your life and ask yourself, what is it that I am committing myself to, devoting myself to? Jesus got at this in a different way. He said, what will you give in exchange for your soul?" In Matthew 16, he mentioned that. That's a really important question because every day, every day we are given this gift of life, of time, and we exchange that gift of time for something else. We are given all a certain amount of minutes of days, 25,550 days is roughly the average lifespan of a person. And every day you wake up and you give that life that day, that time you have for something, you exchange it for something. Some people exchange their life for status, some for achievement, some for power. 
A lot of us exchange that life for countless hours of screen time, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling through our social media feeds. Some people exchange that life for pleasure. Wise people have learned how to exchange their life. They know they're going to exchange their life for something, but wise people exchange that life by making what they call commitments. Because a commitment, a devotion, is you're choosing in advance what you are giving your life to, what you will exchange your life for. And followers of Jesus devote themselves, exchange their life for Jesus Christ, for his community, for his cause in the world. But I wonder what happens to you when you hear that word commitment. Some of us often have a very physical response to that. For many people in our world, I, what I find is that people either experience anxiety or weariness. Some people feel fear or anxiety because commitment feels like it locks you into something. and It, it, it binds you. It doesn't allow you a freedom of choice. All the options are no longer available. So if I'm getting married, I'm locked into this one person, this one spouse, all those other people are unavailable to me. Yes, it's true. But if you don't commit that one person and a life of love and being known and cared for together is unavailable to you. And so we feel fear sometimes because we feel we're going to get stuck. Or other times I, I talk about commit with people and people sort of bend over and a groan of weariness comes over because then they start thinking of all the stuff I'm supposed to get involved in, right? For some reason, busyness seems to be a sign of commitment, which I think is erroneous because strangely enough, I think overcommitment is one of the enemies of true commitment. The problem for so many of us are we are overcommitted to way too many things. We make half-hearted commitments to 20-odd different things rather than a single-minded devotion to the one thing that truly matters in life, why we're put here on this earth. Some of us need to rethink all the, the many commitments we have, maybe to get rid of some of them so that we might focus in on what is most important, what might become our heart's true devotion. And when we give ourselves fully to those most important things, what is remarkable is that this full devotion is actually an energizing thing, not an anxiety-producing thing, not a groaning, wearisome thing, but something that energizes. Look at this passage here in Acts. This church devoted themselves to a number of practices, to the community, and then what you see is a flurry of energy. Just, it, it's, it's almost like explosive. We read of commitment and we see celebration going on. Commitment in the community of Jesus Christ, full devotion should inspire good things, celebration. So let's, let's stop making the mistake of tiring people out as we call them to commitment because I think if we're tiring them out, we're doing something wrong. Now, it's got to be very important as we do this to see what we're committing ourselves to, what we're giving our full devotion to, a commitment that is, that is inspiring and energizing, that does not drag down, but lifts us up and releases us, and the power of the Spirit is always and only to God. Real commitment grows when we discover the riches, the beauty of Jesus Christ, of the gospel that woos our heart's devotion, that we effortlessly give it to. There's probably nothing more important for living our lives than finding 
understanding deep in our hearts the true gospel that Jesus Christ offers. Look at what happens here in Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching as they become this learning community, to the breaking of bread, which is both hospitality but also the Lord's Supper, to prayer. These are people fully devoted to God. Their number one passion in their life is God. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts we read. These are people who believe that this is the most important priority in my life, worth my full devotion. And I'm convinced that is still true for us, that Jesus Christ and the cause of Christ, the church, is worth our full devotion. And not just part-time commitments, not an 80%, not a 90%, not a 95% devotion, because 95% devotion as someone once said, is still 5% short of full devotion. And I believe that Scripture shows us and calls us to that wholehearted, full devotion to Jesus Christ and his cause, and that that is the norm. That is not the standard set for the spiritually elite, for the super-Christians. It's the normal way every follower is called to follow Jesus and Scripture is filled with stories of God seeking that sort of heart, that wholehearted devotion. God is not looking for half-baked, warmed-over commitments, but this, this sacrificial offering of ourselves to God. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, there's this fascinating passage where it says that the eyes of the Lord search throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God is looking for that. His hearts, his eyes are ranging, scanning throughout the whole earth, looking for a heart that is fully committed to God. People whose hearts have been melted by the grace of God in Jesus, the goodness of God, who know and trust God's good ways, who give themselves fully to those ways, who consider that normal. And God is looking for that. But look further. This devotion... It's first to God, first to the cause of Christ. Biblical community is built on that devotion. Can we make that our first devotion, friends? But the next devotion, I guess not the next devotion, but the way that commitment gets expressed is in a commitment to the people of God that God gathers. There's almost a seamlessness to the commitment to God and the commitment to others. It says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. All the believers were together and had everything in common. You sense that beautiful community there? People who so committed to God, and whenever we call God our Father, we call all sorts of people brother and sister, and so we devote ourselves to that family of God as well. And that gets expressed in, in fascinating, creative ways. Verse 45 talks about how they sold their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as they had need. Now, these are not people holding back, Right? These are not people who are grudgingly participating in the life of that community. Something has energized their life. They have found in Jesus Christ a cause worth everything they have. And as I said earlier, I always wondered, is a church like that possible? I totally believe it is. I believe we can experience it together. I believe that sort of church actually is the most powerful witness to the goodness of Jesus Christ in this world. Sure, compelling arguments are necessary. Good apologetics are fabulous. 
But the, the beautiful community of the church living out this devotion, that is a powerful witness in this world. And that's the type of life we want to see continue to be built and deepened and grown here at Knox Church. This church has been built on that type of devotion and commitment by all our faith predecessors that we're a part of, their devotion to Jesus, their commitment to one another. And as we've been saying, we want to get ready for more of that, to deepen that reality where we are devoted to one another, where the life of Jesus spills out and brings good things to others. Because the church is not like a club, is it? It's not a club where, you know, you join, you pay your dues, you attend your yearly membership meeting, and you're a member in good standing. That's, that's not a church. The church is a family where we belong together, where we are devoted towards one another. We want to do this as a church together, this Ready for More campaign together. We want to see this as an expression of our devotion to God, our commitment to one another. And the deeper logic in all of this is a gospel logic for why we make these commitments. We devote ourselves to God, to his purposes, to his people, to his cause in the world, because it is how we are like God. When we make and keep commitments, we are like God, because this is who God is. The good news is that God has initiated a relationship with us, invited us into a covenant relationship. That's what the Bible calls this covenant, and he has kept all these covenant promises. He's been faithful. And in our commitments, our devotion to one another, we, we image, we bear witness to the God who is so devoted to us. This is the foundation for you and I to give ourselves fully, to commit ourselves to one another. Because God has shown his devotion to us in Jesus Christ. God did not hold anything back. Can you imagine if Jesus' response was, "Eh, I'll see if I can help you out, but don't count on it. No, instead it was this unflinching, unfailing commitment of Christ to enter our predicament, to give his life for our sake. And so God continues to give. He gives us life. He gives us forgiveness, his Holy Spirit. He has shown us, demonstrated this full devotion And he does it over and over again throughout Scripture. There's a beautiful passage in Lamentations where it says, we've sung this already today, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Never ceases. Think of that. It is persistent. It is committed. It is devoted love of God that never stops. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. New every morning. That is beautiful. God's devotion to us is endless, and yet it's still surprising. It is new every morning. And that is the source. That's the wellspring of our commitments to one another. That's the love that enables us and strengthens us to love one another. Now, you may be expecting me now to conclude this sermon on commitment by asking you to make a commitment to the Ready for More campaign. But I'm not going to. Because you know what? Hastily made commitments are not kept. And we told you, we're not going to coerce. We're not going to manipulate. We're not going to emotionally apply the pressure at all. And we're keeping to that promise. Instead, what I want you to do over the next three weeks is I want you to thoughtfully 
patiently evaluate your commitments, your heart's devotion, and ask yourself, God, where do my heart's devotions indicate my heart is? What am I committed to? And ask yourself if God might be inviting you to make a fresh, renewed commitment to Knox Church, and perhaps a gift to this campaign might be an expression of that devotion, of that wholehearted commitment. So take the next three weeks to make it a thoughtful commitment, a genuine, heart, wholehearted commitment. Because God is looking for people to use in this world. God is looking for people to bless in this world. God is looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. May we be that people. More than anything, I want to be that sort of person. I want to have that sort of full commitment to Jesus Christ, and I challenge you to make that your goal too. It doesn't take great people to do great things. It takes deeply devoted people, and God takes that and does remarkable things for his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you have demonstrated to us your undying devotion. We see that so clearly, so beautifully in Jesus Christ. God, we are grateful for all that we have come to know in Jesus. God, I pray that the the, the truth, the beauty, the reality of Jesus would come home in such fresh ways to each one of us and that it would elicit, it would evoke Uh, a, a devotion that is free and unencumbered, that is not coerced or guilted, but is just a free flow of grace in us. God, make us like that beautiful Acts 2 community, a people so devoted to one another, and the beautiful fruit of that is a beautiful community that everyone around the watching world says, I want to be a part of that, because that is life. It is your life, Jesus. It is the life that you, Father, Son, and Spirit, have known from eternity. Help us to live this out well. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.